Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to wait a second, then I'll start. Welcome back to the Messy Walk Podcast, everybody. We are on episode 20 this week. Two zero. Which is awesome. I remember when we hit 10, it was like the biggest milestone. Yeah. We were like this. We never thought it was going to get this big. And I didn't think it was going to get this big. And I feel like continually. I talked to a guy the other day that um, uh, lives in Caswell County, North Carolina. And he said that he was out of episodes. So he was on 19 or 18 or 17 or whatever it currently was and um, was waiting. So, yeah, which is pretty cool. I've and he said some... he binged them. So he had to go on a oh, road yeah. trip. And so he listened to like 12 of them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would want to jump out of the car if I had to listen to myself <laughs> for 12 hours. So, I don't know how you could do that. Yeah. I, I tend to, I, mean, I bet, I bet you guys listen. And I bet that's the case. I, I have a feeling that most people aren't like listening to the one as it comes out and then waiting around. I think that, you know, when you discover something you like it, you start just kind of binging on. That's our culture anyway, right now. So that's how we kind of consume stuff currently. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my daughter the other night about it. So, so my favorite all time TV show. You guys can chime in as you listen to this if you want to. Let us know. My um, all-time favorite TV show is A Different World, which was a spinoff Never of the Cosby of show. Oh, my gosh. It's a terrific is show. Is it a spinoff of the Cosby? It's a spinoff of the Cosby I'd show. I'd probably like it then. When the um, second-oldest daughter from Cosby show goes to college. And so it's a spinoff of the Cosby show as she goes off to Hillman College, which is this fictional historical black college. Anyway, it starts walking through this kind of college-age thing. I love the show. And so we were talking about it. So what we've got happening is, is we've got our TV recording the, the episodes as they come on, right? Because it's an old show. So as they pop up, we can't do any like on-demand stuff because we live out in the boonies and don't have internet. So as it pops up, it records. And so we'll watch four or five episodes. And so I've got all my kids are just super into it. And Olivia, especially, that's our oldest one. And so she was like, Dad, what you know? What did they used to do back in the day? Like, did you have to wait when it said season two? Does that mean like you know a couple of months? And I was like, baby, back in the day when the TV show came on, new stuff came out in the fall. You waited around for the fall. By the time Christmas hit, that was all done, and then you would wait until the fall of the following year before season two came out or season three or whatever you're waiting on. So it was like a long, long time. So that's how we used to do it. Now I think. We binge everything that we watch for the most part. And so um, I, th- I think that's how people listen to podcasts. At least that's what I do. The, the, the podcasts that I listen to um, occasionally, um, uh, I listen to them in binge kind of format too. So as I'm driving and if there's any distance involved, I may get a couple episodes in. Right? And some of you new listeners, I know um, at our one of our Sunday services here at Union, we uh, announced the podcast to the congregation. Yeah, we just so- did that. Yeah, so if, if you are one of the new listeners and you're the, one of the ones that have caught up to this episode uh, by binging all of it, um, welcome. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> I've actually run into a few people and they're like, I'm behind, which is funny because they like, <laughs> you know, they don't know I'm a part of it. Right, and so right. I'm a little behind. I'm like, that's fine. We didn't, we waited until like episode 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there before we said it to the church that this was available. I think, you know, just to make sure that we had enough content when we announced it and also to make sure to that, binge. Right, right, <laughs> that we didn't uh, 
it wasn't something we started and we realized, oh gosh, this is no good, so let's quit it. So once we realized we liked it and we were going to keep it, we threw it out to the church. So yeah. we let everybody know and gave out some uh, cards with the info on them and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and we encourage you guys too, if, if there's anyone, um, before we get started, just want to encourage you guys, you know, if there's anyone out there that you think some of this content would encourage or maybe a question we've answered or a topic we covered, um, yeah. they're even talking with someone like, you know, send them, send them the link, share it with them. Yeah, um, utilize this like you would anything else of, for you sure. know, to help someone else, to share the gospel with someone, to, um, you know, to you feel God prompting you, hey, this, I think my friend, blah, 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 needs to hear this. Then, you know, that's on you then to actually follow through with that and give that to somebody. So feel free to do that. And I'm excited about today's podcast. I yeah. like I like this little thing that we're doing right now. Um, so to recap everybody real quick, what we've talked about is for the last couple of episodes that Jesus's walk was messy too. Um, now, when we say messy, when we're referring to us, we're talking about primarily it being sinful, not yeah. completely. There's difficult, hard things in life that make it messy, and we live in a fallen world that makes it messy. But uh, there's also our sin, which is the predominant part that makes our walks what we would call messy. For sure. But Jesus' walk was messy too, and not because of sin, because he didn't have any. So he's sinless and he's perfect. But his walk was messy because he's in this, this fallen world. And so like the last two episodes, we talked about that Jesus' walk was messy because of pain and suffering that he experienced on this earth. Not just the pain of the cross, but the pain of just being part of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that makes life difficult and hard and messy. And so that's one way. So we spent a couple episodes talking about that because you got a distinction between the pain and suffering of him walking through this world and living this world and then the pain and suffering of the actual cross and crucifixion and his brutal, brutal murder. Um And so what we're going to kind of talk through today is just another way where Jesus' walk is messy, not because of sin, but because of this world that we live in. And one of those things that this will continue like this episode and the next one, we'll kind of probably have two of them we talk through, is that Jesus' walk is messy because he bucks or goes against societal norms Mm -hmm. that are not godly, not biblical, don't match up with... um, uh, respect for God, but then the respect for the image of God in people. Yeah, and so he starts to buck these societal norms, and and so the one I want to talk through today is him, um, his his walk being difficult on this earth because he goes against the um, societal norm that women were second rate citizens or second class citizens, and so the big word here is he's busting sexism. Right, he's 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 going against sexism, and that definitely gives him some trouble. Right, yeah. so anytime anytime we go against what society says is what it should be, or our cultural norm, anytime we go countercultural for the gospel for the Lord, um, it's going to make our walks hard. And so this idea of messy is not just messy because of sin, but messy because of difficulty. Yeah, and so Jesus goes against um, blatant sexism. Um, I mean, there's no, there, it's no secret that women in uh, the first century, and then obviously prior to that too, in this uh, Roman world that we're in here, this Greco-Roman world, world um, were treated as second-rate citizens, second-class citizens. There's no question. I mean, there's no, you know, history tells you all about it in virtually every single culture. We're not just talking about biblical history here. We're talking about across, you know, across all cultures and history. So it's no, it's no, there's no question. 
Um, and Jesus comes in and he changes that. Um, as a matter of fact, probably the most revolutionary thing Jesus did culturally was um, his elevation of women. And so yeah. there's very much an elevation of women. I don't think anyone in the history of the world had elevated women to the point that Jesus did when Jesus came. And so that was something that was drastically different. Um, and that's something that would have caused him lots of difficulties, you know. And I think as Christians, we got to take Jesus's cue on this more that we need to, um, you know, go against culture when it's something that's not honoring God or honoring ourselves um, and, and honoring the image of God in people, right? And so Jesus does that with women. And, and I think it's pretty impressive to see that. He's quite different than any of the contemporaries at the time. He handles women in a very different way. Um, and if you want to, you want to get into the scripture. Um, we'll talk about some random references today. But it, the the gospel that shows this probably the loudest is the gospel of Luke. And so, if you'll look through Luke from the beginning all the way through, you will see countless references to women in particular. Mm. Um, and so the, the gospel of Luke shows you a lot of those. And so if you want to kind of go there and, you know, as you're studying or whatever, if you want to pay attention to this idea. Um, but what happens is, is, is Jesus comes um, and he shows that women have this intrinsic value that is equal to men. Right. So you see Jesus reference that in the beginning, the creator made them male and female. He references them both. And so women are created in the image of God just as much as men are created in the image of God. And Jesus points that out. And so he's creating this equality between men and women. Um, and I think that's pretty in, in, you know, pretty important to look at when it's talking about the fact that what we see in Jesus is Jesus comes to earth not primarily as a male person, but primarily as the son of God or a child of God. And so he does not view women as primarily by them being female, but by them being a child of God. And that's quite different because the prioritization of the time would have been the opposite. It would have been you're female and then you're a child of God. Jesus is going, no, 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 it's the other way around. It's flip that thing. You're a child of God. And you just might happen to be a female child of God. And so he kind of goes in the face of all that um, and so basically Jesus is showing us through his entire ministry that disciples come in two sexes, right, male and female. And there's an equality level on this, not some sort of disjointed one is a disciple and the other one is just an extension of that disciple. Like the, 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 the wife or the mother or the daughter is just an extension of the follower of Jesus. That's not the case with Jesus. In, in any way in his ministry can you see that. Um, the he's got this vision of them um, as being part of the people he came for, just as much as men are, and so there's an equality level that's happening there. Um, and he doesn't pre, he doesn't perceive them primarily about their or, or any of us by our sex, by our age, by our marital status, by our status in the community, by the possessions that we have or don't. None of those things are qualifying. It instead is about them being made in the image of God, not some sort of thing that you've got to have in addition to that that qualifies you. And I think that you get a bunch of examples of this in the scripture of how Jesus is elevating women, I mean, to a level that's unheard of. I mean, it's absolutely unheard of, and up until that time. Um, 
And so you got to remember that the people that are following Jesus around are not just men, they're women too. And that women are approaching him directly. And so I give you three things real quick as we kind of talk through this. Um, the first one, the first way you see Jesus elevating women is that he addresses women um, while in public. And he does it repeatedly. And that's not something that would have happened during that time. That's him bucking that societal norm to show, hey, no, no, women are equal, right? That I came for them too. I'm, I'm, I'm dying for them too. I'm their savior. I'm their Lord too. He addresses them directly in public. And that's really unusual for a man to do, especially a man that would be considered knowledgeable in the scriptures or a rabbi or a teacher or a follower, you know, somebody, somebody that's following. It's really rare for a man to actually do that. And the disciples are sort of amazed over and over again that he's actually doing this, um, that he speaks directly to the women. There's multiple times where you see this happen. You see it with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. You see it with the woman called in adultery, where they're kind of taken aback that he's talking to these women directly in public. What's amazing is, is that ends up affecting them over time, and you'll see them do the same, very same thing once they're following um, you know, once Jesus is gone and the church is being established, you'll see them start to actually look much more like Jesus, where they they're talking directly to the women in public, and that would not have happened back then. And so, you know, when Luke's going through the gospel, he gives ample attention. I mean, I would say a lot of attention to Jesus actually interacting and speaking publicly with um, with the women in the Bible, which is pretty impressive. Um, so, like. For example, um, you've got the woman with the bleeding disorder. Uh, you've got the woman who calls to him from the crowd. You've got the woman that's bent over for 18 years, and um, you've got a group of women in route to the cross. He's talking directly to them in public. That's different. That's a game changer. And everyone would have noticed that because it was against the societal norms at the time. And so it, it, that's just kind of the first one. But he's going against societal, cultural norms that are not godly. Obviously, though, he does them in a very respectful way, you know, and so, you know, he's just showing it with his actions over and over again that uh, this idea of sexism is not correct, you know, and, and that women have intrinsic value that's not based on them being women and men have intrinsic value that's not based on them being men, right? It's based on us being made in the image of God and men and women are both made in the image of God which I think is pretty crazy. Mm. So he's talking, you know, he's, he's just directly speaking to them in public, which wouldn't have normally happened. And I think that's important for us to see because it definitely caused um, some issues for him. It made, you know, this idea of what we're talking through is Jesus going against this and it making his walk messy and difficult. It does. I mean, he's constantly looked at weird and mocked and, you know, people are going to be in bewilderment of how he's going to be behaving, which is going to, sort of in their eyes, knock him um, down off a pedestal of them, you know, following him, right? But obviously Jesus doesn't care because he knows who he is. I mean, he's the son of God, right? So, you know, you see people that are falling away or, or ignoring him, or there would be people that would have watched him directly speak to these women in public. They would have been like, Psh, this guy ain't it, you know, let's move on. Um, and so I think it's pretty cool to see that in him. Um the second way that you see this happen um, where Jesus has this full intrinsic value for women is um, is that it's the way, it's it's how he addressed them 
So it's not just the fact that he addressed them publicly, because he could address them publicly in some sort of, you know, very direct way that it, that inferred that sexism is okay, right? He could have direct he could have referred to them in public and, and spoke to them in public in a way that was derogatory and cemented this idea of sexism, even though he spoke to them. So he could have basically what I'm trying to say is is he could have put them in their place, right? When he talked to them publicly, but he doesn't. It's the way in which he speaks to them. Um, it's a thoughtful way. It's a caring way. And each writer of the Gospels, all three of them, I mean, all four of them, excuse me, um, <clears throat> the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John as well, you see this, this, um, uh, this reference multiple times to where when he talks to them in public, one, he's speaking to them in public, but two, he refers to them as daughter. And then you've got a couple of times um, with the woman that's bleeding in the Synoptic Gospels, the three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where he refers to her as a daughter of Abraham. And when he's doing that, he is definitely laying out this Old Testament idea of this is not just some daughter, this is a daughter of Abraham directly. And he's laying out this equality piece among men and women, which I think is absolutely beautiful. And he's he's not only elevating them by speaking to them in public, but he's elevating them on how he speaks to them in public, which is pretty impressive. And something that we should pay attention to as well, because it's not just about um, when we combat something that's that's culturally wrong. It's not just about us saying, hey, this is not wrong. It's about how we actually treat the people and the subject that we're talking through. Right. And so it's not just and it's the same thing for us standing up for something, you know, by by us standing up against something. And, and let's just say we're speaking to some people who society says we shouldn't speak to. Um it's not just that we're speaking to them publicly. It's how we're going about doing it, right? It's, it's the heart behind it. You see this with everything with Jesus where he's pushing us to, to pay more attention to the heart behind what we do. But he leads that in example. So it's not just let me show you that women should be equal. It's, no, I, I really feel this way. It's really, there's really a heart for it. It's really correct. And you see that come out in the way that he speaks to women, which is, which is amazing, you know, mm. which I think is cool. And I think it's something that we should learn from. Um, just in general, I mean, I'm just happen to be using the example of sexism right now as one of the ways that Jesus bucks societal norms and cultural norms that weren't godly. Um, and that makes your walk messy. If you, if you're, if you're going to walk in this world and you're going to, um, try to honor God in all your interactions with people and be about the things of the Lord, there's going to be significant pushback about those things. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just going to be, you know, when, when, when you teach or preach that, you know, God is supposed to be the center of our lives, there's going to be people that disagree with that. You know, yeah. when you talk through the biblical understanding of uh, marriage, when you talk through the biblical understanding of sex, when you talk about the biblical and godly understanding of purpose, any of those things there's going to be a whole world of folks that don't agree with you. And it's going to make you messy. Walk. It's going to make you walk messy. It's going to make it hard. It's going to make it difficult when mm -hmm. we bust against those societal norms. Yeah. You know, when we talk about, you know, what a home should look like or how children should be raised or any of those things that we are, are not just getting from the Bible, but getting from an understanding of um, God's creative order, right? His beautiful blueprint. We, you know, I've used that phrase a lot over the last couple of years. We taught a series on it a long time ago. Um, that God has a blueprint in order. If you understand God's blueprint for creation of things and how things are meant to work, 
when you push towards those, there's going to be pushback, and it's going to make your walk difficult. You know, hmm. I think I think a lot of times we 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 take this thing as a Christian walk as this is my personal walk with Christ. And so we never say anything to anybody else or live in a certain way to anybody else that demonstrates it publicly. And so we don't get any pushback for our faith in any setting because we don't ever open our mouth. Um, or we don't ever say, you know, this is how I'm living and explain these things of why I feel that way, why I believe this. But, you know, there is a personal salvation with Jesus, but if you'll notice that the first step of obedience is a public profession of it, right? So you you accept Christ, and that is definitely a personal salvation, right? It is understanding that Jesus has has come in your place, died in your place on a personal level, not just for all mankind, for you. He took your place. Yeah. And you accept that personally. But the very first step of obedience is to go public with that faith in Jesus, and so we're not supposed to live some Christian life that is completely, totally personal and that no one sees how we walk, no one knows what we believe, no one, you know, uh, no, no, one can, no one would know any difference between us and somebody who's not a Christian because we just live a life that has all our Christianity hidden and it's personal. That's not the case. And so there, there has to be some publicness to it. Um, matter of fact, I mean, I think that, that's what, that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to live in such a way where we we are in fear and awe and worship of our Lord and Savior, and we are serving Him. And then the light inside of us is illuminating out to the world, right? Mm-hmm. That's the idea. And you can't just live your life um, as a Christ follower and not um, have the world see that publicly. And so, as the world sees that publicly, it's going to create difficulties. And so the, the way to kind of combat that, you don't get rid of the difficulties or that part that makes your walk messy. You don't get rid of that by hiding it and pretending like you're, you know, by hiding it and just keeping your faith with Jesus personal, right? No, you live it out and you don't, and the difficulties are going to come. They're going to be there. You're going to take flack for it. You're going to take hits for it. You're going to have to explain, you know, and, and I don't think we do any of that stuff in a way that dishonors people or dishonors God, you know? Like when we if we're if we're talking about something that we feel that's intensely biblical and godly correct, um, let's just say like um, I'll just get random examples: abortion. We don't do that in a way that dishonors the person that we're talking to about it, right? That dishonors the fact that even though they might not believe the same way or they might not even be a Christ follower, that they weren't also created in the image of God, hmm. you know. But you do have to at some point in time. You know your your walk with Jesus and your beliefs they come out in your actions and your behaviors in the world, and when you do that, you're going to get flack for it, hmm. right? There'll be people that will not like the fact that I'm having a podcast right now, talking about Jesus making men and women equal. They won't like it, hmm. right? But when I study the scriptures and what I believe to be true is that you see Jesus placing men and women on equal standing as children of God, not based on their sex, and so. If I believe that to be true, then I'm going to go against the societal norm that's still around now, by the way. It's still in America, right? If it wasn't in America, you would not have a massive pay gap still between male and female workers, right? If those things wouldn't be happening if you still didn't have sexism to some level. 
And so if I'm following Jesus, then I believe that Jesus is, is creating an equal footing here and that everybody is a child of God, regardless of the sex that they have. And so I'm going to say that, teach that, and use the platforms that I have to lovingly convey that, not in a bad way. But people aren't going to always like it, and it's going to, you're going to receive difficulty from it. So that's what I'm trying to say. So that was two reasons. Let me give you the third one. We good, Graham? I can give the third one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go for All it. Right. Um, <clears throat> so also the way you see this happen in Jesus is that it's not just that he spoke to them directly in public. That was one. And then it's not just how he spoke to them, but then it's also that he did not gloss over their sin when he met women. So he didn't gloss over the sin of those women that he meets personally. He held them personally responsible for their sin. And so he speaks directly to them in their life. And then, you know, look at the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, um, the woman who anointed his feet, right? He's not condoning their sin, but he's speaking directly to them. He's confronting them. And then each one of them had this, because he's dealing with them directly, what he's setting is is a tone that they had a um, they had the personal decision in their life to do something about it, to repent, to walk away from it. He gives them direct instructions to to do that instead of giving instructions through someone else. Right, that, that there has to be some sort of go between um, or you know directions directly towards um, you, you know them making changes and repentance through their husband or whatever. No, no, no. He speaks directly to them about their sin. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Um, he does. He speaks to them, you know, carefully, thoughtfully, lovingly, but it's direct. But then what you see is is that they have, that he believes and knows that they have the ability, um, the self-determination to deal with their sin and repentance and holiness, right? And so there's a, there, there's obviously what's happening is there's yet another equal play here that, they have direct access to the Father through Jesus, just like everybody else, you know. And so there's not yet again some sort of extra add-on of this is only through your husband or this is only through your father or whatever. There's direct access, and I just think it's I think it's incredibly impressive to look back through um, him and the way that he works with women. Um, my my favorite example of all this when you look at the fact that Jesus is going against sexism, um, is the fact that who are the first people that he, uh, who, who, who realize that the resurrection has happened and then who have the command to go tell it? Who were the first people? Women. Women. No question. Now, here's, here's where I like to talk about this. So you can sit there and you can go, well, that just happened to be the case. It was coincidental. But I don't think you can say coincidental because literally what just happened is is we believe that God is in control of everything. And the way that we end up knowing that at this moment is he has conquered death. So he is in control of death. And so if he's in control of death, you cannot tell me that he's not also in control of who it is that's going to see and understand the resurrection first and then be told to tell about it. And he chooses the women. It wasn't that they, you know, happened to pop up. If God just conquered death on the cross, then he's pretty much in full control of everything, isn't he? Right? I mean, he knows all, sees all, and everything is working together to, for his plan and his purpose. And you see that in the cross, right? You see that in the, in the crucifixion and the resurrection, that all these pieces of the cosmos are put together on purpose in that moment for the salvation of mankind. And if that's the case... 
if God's in that level of control, then you can't tell me that those women are just randomly picked, right? That they just happen to be the ones that show up, that they were running faster or that, you know, the guys were shaving or something. I mean, you can't, you can't tell me that's the case. And so the, the very first people that understand the resurrection and then that, that are told to tell it are women right there at the, I mean, the resurrection is the, is the, the crux of all of our belief. Everything's based on the resurrection, right? That changes everything. Mm. It changes. That's it. The foundation of our faith in Christianity is not the Bible. Now, I'm not eliminating the Bible. I'm saying the foundation of our faith as Christians is the crucifixion and the resurrection, specifically the resurrection. Because here you go, God conquering death and bringing us into new life. And the act, the physical moment in history of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith. And so you take this foundational moment that can't even be described. I mean, so far, it's the greatest event that history has ever seen. So far. I think, I mean, I, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm committing heresy by even putting them in order right now, but I think the the second coming of Jesus and the establishment of his kingdom for eternity, right, um, is maybe the greatest event that history will ever see, right? But until then, and maybe I shouldn't be ranking these, but until then, the resurrection is the greatest event that history has ever seen. There is nothing like it. And at that very moment, the greatest pinnacle moment of all things, he chooses women. He picks women. He empowers them to go back and to tell the men that he ain't in there, right? That he's risen. That's an elevation of women that is unparalleled in anything in the Gospels. Out of everything we've talked through, out of all these random examples of him talking to them directly in public and how he talks to them and all those things, there is nothing that compares to the fact that at the pinnacle moment of all things in the world, Jesus is conquering death, that women are the ones that are instructed by the angel, chillaxing on top of the stone, right, to go tell the world. It all starts, the telling of the world, of the resurrection of Jesus, begins with the women. I think that's profound. And I think if that's the case, then we have to see that Jesus is going against sexism here, yeah. right? Now, we don't have to talk about that particular t- I'm not trying to talk through all this to get you to go make combating sexism your life's mission. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is there's some things in Jesus' life where he goes countercultural, and that causes his walk to be hard, to be more difficult. And there are some things where we're going to, like we talked about last time, he had pain and suffering in humanity that made his life difficult. We will too. <clears throat> but he also goes countercultural against some things that aren't godly and biblical, and that makes his walk messy and makes his life difficult. And we will too, if we are actually are living out Biblical principles and godliness, it's going to cause some difficult stuff in our walk. So, you know, as you're listening to this right now, you're thinking, where the heck is this guy talking about? Don't, don't be so worried because life gets hard as you stand up for your faith in Jesus, right? Be worried when it doesn't. You know, don't be worried when, when you're taking a lot of pushback because I'm standing up for, 
you know, or or I'm living my life in a way that displays who God is and what he how he tells me to live. Be worried when you're not, right? Because there's going to be natural difficulty and pushback when you are living a godly life because we're living in a world that is not our own. Peter says we're we're exiles. And so we're living as citizens of a different nation in this nation at the same time. And so you're going to get the difficulty of that. And that we see that directly in Jesus. Jesus is definitely not a citizen of the of the um, of the earth. He is from a different nation, living in it with a purpose during a period of time. And so because of that, he's automatically by nature going against societal and cultural norms, and then therefore it, it makes life difficult. So in other words, as you begin to live out your faith and that becomes public, it's going to make hard things hard. It's part of your messy walk. Yeah. Those are the things we want in our messy walk. I, I like to think of it as a everyone born into a stream of water. You're all going down the same current of the stream, but instantly when that person realizes like, oh, whoa, 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 hold up. And that repentance enters their life, and they're like, "This is what Jesus did for me." Then there, you turn around, yeah, and you're fighting and people upstream. are yep. coming, you know, like they're going the opposite way, and you're going upstream, and you should feel the pushback of like, you know, I mean, I've had conversations with people before about like, well, what do you, you know about abortion and whatnot, and I'm like, I, you and me, are a hundred percent opposed, yeah, and it's it's weird. I mean, and it's it's not just like. This is what I think. I'm like, this is, this is what Jesus says about this, you know. And so you can see the obvious pushback that you know the world has yeah, against, against the, the Christian faith. Yeah, and it's it's completely it should be completely opposite. And then for me too, like when I hear certain phrases or something said like all the time, are super common. That actually makes me like in a Christian circles and secular circles. I'm like, it makes me think like, all right, what are we saying here? Like you know, like yeah. Is it, you get what I'm saying? Like that even stream, little things. That stream idea is really cool. Right? So I don't know if everybody is, that's listening has seen the the Chosen at all or watched it. Um, it's a crowdfunded uh, Life of Jesus kind of thing that's on right now that's new. It's really sweet. So you should check it out. In that, there's them going back and forth on the, um, on the, on the tie-in of the beginning of it and the end, like the little intro and outro. Where the credits are rolling, you see a, you see the fish going downstream the one way, and then all of a sudden they're turning colors and going up the opposite stream, and then they're starting to pick up other ones who are going with them. It's really really cool. That's it's cool. a great analogy. It's a great analogy. Hmm. But even, you know, I mean, I when Jesus when Jesus tells us, we talked about this in the last episode or the last two, when Jesus tells us that in this world you will have trouble, he's saying that to them because they are going to be public followers of him. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, he's not going to tell them if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. If nobody knew that they were going to be following Jesus, right? If they were just secret in the closet, personal, I love Jesus, but I don't let anything of that of my of my faith walk get out to the rest of the world, right? He knows that they're going to be publicly following him, and and if he says they hated me, they'll hate you too. It's because you're going against the grain. You're going to be going against the natural pull of the sinful word and your world, and you're going to be going in the opposite direction. And it's going to it's going to hurt is what I'm trying to say, right? Like you all of a sudden the fish the fish turning around and swimming upstream, right? They're they're going against other people. They're going against the tide. I mean, it's it's not easy, right? It's not easy. And when we we'll talk about another one next episode, but when we go against these 
when we start living for God and then those things don't necessarily line up with the world, it's going to cause difficulty. Hmm. Right? Welcome to a messy walk that's not about yeah. your sin. It's more about your, um, uh, your purpose and you actually um, pursuing holiness. So. Hmm. That's good. And the next episode, just yeah. to kind of give you a little cliffhanger. Yeah, give them one. Give them one. We're going to be, we can see in Scripture, there's Gentiles, there's Jews, there's Samaritans, all different kinds of people, right? And a lot of times we can see in scripture references to, okay, well, this is what's going on here, but we also know in scripture that there's nothing new under the sun. So there's the same kind of racial things that go on in our modern day as there was in scripture. So it's not that they're different. They just have different names. Yep. We saw the same racial things and we're going to talk about kind of how Jesus breaks down the same like racist type ideas that we have today. Yep. How does Jesus go about dealing with that? And how should we view that? Um, Absolutely. You know, on uh, Christian walks, but that was really good. Yeah. Which, you well, know, the, the, the two things that Jesus got, I'll save that for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do you that. Gotta watch the next one. <laughs> Make sure to go check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're on both of those platforms. If you have any questions, send us a private message. Yeah. Thanks for listening to episode 20. For sure. It's episode 20. And make sure to follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We are on both. And again, if you have someone that is interested in some of these things, have mentioned something to you, or you think this is a good resource for a family member or a friend, make sure to share it with them. We would love that. Uh, We are praying for you guys, and we will talk to you next week. See you later. Bye.